0: What is up, all you marketers, content people out there listening to the pod? Even if you're not a marketer or a content person listen to the pod, I appreciate you being here. It's Friday. You know what that means. New episode, new content marketer to learn from. I'm your host, Brett McGrath. Today's episode, we got Joe Laskowskis, who's the head of marketing at Contently. He's doing some incredible things. He's got a book. He's got an awesome team creating great content. He's got a newsletter on LinkedIn that is fire. Go follow him. Excited to share this one with you. If you like what I'm doing on the 3C podcast, hit that subscribe button. Leave a little review. It would mean a ton. Are you joining The Juice? Have you joined The Juice? Go to thejuicehq.com. It's free. Sign up. Be a member. Start learning. Enjoy your frictionless content experience in B2B to today. No more plugs let's kick it to the conversation. What is up, everyone? Welcome back to the show. I'm excited for this conversation. I'm joined by Joe Lazowskis, who is the VP of Marketing at Contently. He's also a co-author of a best-selling book, The Storytelling Edge, How to Transform Your Business, Stop Screaming Into the Void, and Make People Love You. He also authors a newsletter that I have been enjoying On LinkedIn, and we're going to talk a little bit about one of his articles. But without further ado, Joe, how are you?
1: Doing well. You know, just sweating like crazy here in the Manhattan summer, but having a good time taking my puppy to the dog park, doing some writing, going through the day to day roller coaster stress machine that is being the head of marketing at a a fast moving startup. You know, but it's all good.
0: I love it. Yeah, I can relate with the heat here in Indianapolis. I try to get out of the house and go for a a walk during lunchtime just to get out of the space. And it seems like I'm getting to the point where it's like I almost have to change clothes by the time I start the second half of the day. Dog days of summer officially are
1: here. Yeah, there's definitely like a, a camera off because you're just drenched in sweat element to a lot of Zoom meetings nowadays. You know, I'm a I I've honestly tell people that I have camera off because of Zoom fatigue, but half the time it's because I'm sitting here in like a ratty tank top that is not work appropriate at all, but I really don't want to go change and blast the AC and put on something more appropriate.
0: Totally, I'm with you there. Um, now, before we jump in in the topic, we're going to be talking about personas in an article you wrote about that. And I think it's a good topic I've been thinking about, but I'd love for uh, for you to maybe just give a little overview on Contently before we jump in. I have really enjoyed like being a observer and consumer of content. The way you have designed the content that you put out and the structure behind it, I think that's super cool and unique. So maybe we just start with kind of the the overview on Contently and just like your content and your content structure and h- how you uh, think about it.
1: Sure. Yeah. So Contently is a, a content marketing technology company, and, and basically what our platform does is one, it, it gives you great ideas of what sort of content you should be creating. And then it gives you the ability to create that content uh, by connecting brands with our network of 160,000 freelance creatives all over the world, um, the top echelon of which are vetted and trained and work with their clients. And they're incredible award winning journalists, filmmakers, videographers, podcasters, designers. So we give brands the ability to work through with those creatives through our platform, bring all their teams onto one place with lots of great tools to create really smart content and then measure its performance, see what's working, optimize and double down on what works best the next time around. So as a result, you know, being a content technology company that was founded by journalists, content's really huge for us. Like it's at the core of all of our marketing efforts. Um, really, what I see my job and the job of our marketing team is to just put super helpful, insightful, you know, fun educational stuff out there, help people get better in their careers. And then you know, we believe that if we do that really well, we'll build trust with people, and when they're ready to launch a content program or they want to take their program to the next level, uh, they'll come and want to work with contently. And, and over the years, that's been proven out. That's been you know, a big part of what's driven our growth over time. And so you know, a big part of that for me is getting to do stuff like this, getting to talk to our customers, understand what's on their mind, what are they struggling with, and then figure out how we can put something together that'll help them. Like Whether it could just be a blog post, it could be an educational course, video series, podcasts, whatever it might be. So content's very much at the heart of everything that we do.
0: I love that. Yeah. It's uh, it's definitely like an abundant mindset, definitely trying to provide value along the way. And I think just that makes a lot of sense to me. And maybe like before we completely jump into the article, when I consume the article and I'm just going to shout it out, it'll be in the show notes, but ditch the persona, find your muse, something you published on LinkedIn i read it and I was like, this makes a lot of sense. I've been thinking about things like this. And I reread it again a couple of weeks later. And when I zoomed out of it a little bit, like to me, it was was a big theme and topic that could have zoomed up to a macro of like things in marketing that hinder creativity. And I think um, just as marketing people, we are creatives at heart. And so that's something like, that was super interested in me that I came to and in just, in just reading through it is that there's so many things today that like, we do as marketers that we've been doing for the last 10 to 15 years. And we don't kind of take a step back and just say like, well, why are we doing these things? And oftentimes the things that we're doing are things that hinder us from being creative and being value driven. So maybe like before we jump into like the article itself, like I'd love to get an understanding from you on just like observations, maybe just in talking with customers, talking with the market, things that you see just in terms of like the way marketing is done that we might take a step, should take a step back from and just say like, why are we doing these things?
1: Yeah. And I think it's almost something that's cropped up, particularly in the last 10 years, as we've gone through this very data-driven obsession period. And I I love data as something that can help inform the content you're creating, what your audience wants, right? Like that search data that you see what they're searching for and questions they're answering is super valuable. Social data, data on what they're sharing is super valuable. But I would argue that over the past 10 years, we've come to really heavily rely on that or the outsourcing of an understanding of our audience. And many marketers have stopped actually talking to the audience they want to reach and really getting to know them. Um, and the result of that is often these very bland, generic persona documents that you get. They are given as a, that a marketing team develops, or they hire an agency to create, and you have that document. And the assumption there is that, okay, now we have this persona document. Our work understanding our audience is over. We have this persona, the millenniator, you know, it's a 32 year old millennial, they make $120,000 a year, drive a Subaru are looking to have kids unsure of their financial situation, likes to eat avocado toast. And that's all we need to know about this audience. Let's go out and let's create content for them. The issue with that is that if we actually want to unlock our creativity, if we want to create to our greatest ability, a big thing that does that is empathy for our audience, that understanding of who they are, what their challenges are. There's a big reason that basically every great artist and creator in history has talked to some extent about creating for one person, with one person in mind that you write for, that you paint for, um, that you make films for, because that practice of having a particular person in mind that you want to create for allows us to develop real empathy for that audience that we're trying to serve. And that, as a result, does great things to our brain. Uh, particularly, it releases uh, empathy, releases oxytocin. Oxytocin is a neurochemical in our brain uh, that triggers a feeling of human connection, but it's also highly correlated with the release of dopamine, uh, which is a neurochemical that makes us feel extremely good. And that release of dopamine is highly correlated with high levels of creativity. So, when our brain Feels really good, we're more likely to be creative, to come up with better ideas, to want to keep going on creating. It's why so many artists have binged on alcohol or drugs over time, because when you're creating and you have lots of that dopamine and serotonin going on in your brain, it feels like a creative euphoria, right? We don't always get the best results out of that when we go a little too overboard. Hence the saying, you know, write drunk it's sober. But an alternative to getting drunk at work is to simply have a really deep understanding of your audience so that when you're creating for them, it's an act of empathy. And that act of empathy is triggering the release of more oxytocin, more dopamine, and making us more creative. Um, It also just results in better stories, right? When we have someone who's very specific in mind that we know really well that we're creating for, we'll tell a more personal, more nuanced story than we will if we're just creating for this PDF document that's open on our computer or printed out on our desk, with a generic stock photo and a cheesy code name. And yeah, I, I really just wanted to write this piece to encourage marketers to get out there and interview their audience, listen to their story, go out there and report on the people that they, are, they want to reach, right? Um, and really develop empathy for them through that process. So I think I just got more
0: clips there from an opening statement than I've, I've ever gotten on this show. So thank you for that. We can cut that up. We talked about getting intoxicated as a creator. I think that's kind of fun to think about. A lot to unpack there, Joe, uh, taking a step back from all of that um, and focusing in on the, the persona I think, you know, we've all as marketers been in this these rooms where, you know, we're sitting there chopping it up talking about like Molly the millennial and the things avocado toast and, you know, she listens to Kendrick Lamar and these are the things we should do because of these things. And I've been that that's been just a part of like my career just being in those meetings and conversations. And I'm like reflecting back on it, it's like did we do this because we're trying to create one message that can fit inside our marketing automation track so that when these people enter our funnel, that we have a message that we think will cater for these people. Like it seems to me that the re- like founding reasons that we do these things is because we're trying to put it into some sort of system or thing that we think as marketers that we can scale. And by scaling these things out, it'll allow us to have more conversations and more things that we can maybe toss over to the fence to our sales team. Thoughts
1: yes. on that? So I don't think there's anything wrong with personas in and of themselves. Like the headline said that a little bit, you know, ditch the persona and find your muse. But in the actual article, what I more argued is that the idea of persona, the persona is, is correct, right? There's a reason we have personas because it really pays off to have this one person in mind that we're creating for. But the way we go about creating personas for the most part is a, is a flawed process because for inside so many brands, it is either just an activity that we outsource. So we never actually get to know that persona or the people who make up that persona, who that persona is a representative of, because we don't talk to them. We don't interview them. We don't listen to their stories, right? We just, get, we just rely on this one persona document that we're given. And those persona documents in and of themselves often are very generic, very bland, um, are don't really capture the sense of one person that you can develop empathy for, but is rather this kind of stereotypical amalgamation of what a typical millennial is, for instance. And there is this study by the Content Marketing Institute last year, that or maybe it was two years ago, that found that only 41% of marketers incorporate actually talking to their audience in their audience research, whereas like all of them look at search data. And that to me is just a big flaw in our process today is that we rely just purely too much on data, just purely too much on outsourced or very generic bland persona documents when we are trying to build a connection with our audience. And most of us aren't going out there and actually talking to our audience, interviewing them, going to happy hours with them, listening to their story, developing that real empathy and feel for your audience that is so crucial, I would argue, to telling really great stories and to sparking your own creativity so that, you know what, when I get up today, I'm excited to go out there and create stuff that will help this person um, instead of just going through the motions of creating some shit that I think is going to appeal to this weird stock photo persona that I have on my desk, so
0: I totally can relate with that. Just and I think that in SaaS and B two B SaaS, oftentimes when you think about having conversations with customers, like it's a customer success or it's a product thing, and marketing doesn't get in the mix or doesn't get involved. Um, and from my experience, just in starting this new business, and I felt an obligation to get a pulse on. What are people that we want to use our platform, what they were thinking about? And my mindset was like, all right, well, I'm going to have a podcast. So it'll give me an opportunity to try to understand and get get behind the mindset of the current day content marketer, content creator. And that has morphed into this, like being in product meetings and like having a seat at the table when we're talking about like creation of features and functionality and things that we can do because... I feel like I have a voice because I'm out in the market and listening and doing research. And this is an evolution for me. This is like, this is the last six months. I'd never really thought this way. Um, do you have any thoughts or recommendations outside of like, hey, go spin up a podcast and start talking to people that are your ideal customers? Any, any recommendations that marketers can do to maybe start getting in the mix and start creating a process around having conversations with your customers, things that you're doing it Contently, perhaps?
1: Yeah, well, I'd say first off, like that example, though, you know, starting a podcast or some content series as an excuse to interview your audience, get to know their stories, start to tell their story, that's a great way to do it, right? Because I imagine it's not just the act of us having this conversation, or you having this conversation with another member of your target audience, that's going to be really valuable. But also the process where you have to then go and produce this episode. You have to listen to everything back. You have to think about it critically. You have to think about how to tell the story of the person that you're trying to reach. All of that really helps you internalize that audience and who they are so much more. So I love going through that creative process. And like for me, that was huge coming out of the pandemic because before I could really rely on the fact that like, all right, I'm going to conferences, we have booths, I'm speaking, um, we were hosting events, doing different happy hours. So like every week there's a different way in which I was interacting with our customers, with prospects, like the people that we're trying to reach with our content. So I could keep that sense of the muse, right? That sense of this person that I'm creating for, um, really, really fresh. But when the pandemic hit, that changed a lot. Like, yeah, we had some virtual customer events, um, but it wasn't quite the same. You don't get that serendipity in the same way as when you're on, you know, your, your second vodka soda in a weird expo hall, but you're kind of hitting it off with someone hearing about their career, what's going on inside their organization. Maybe they're telling you a couple things they wouldn't tell you normally, Um so for me, one thing that I really tried to return to at the beginning of this year, because you know I'm a journalist and a reporter by trade before I got into marketing, is really putting that hat back on and just interviewing a lot of really smart people that I admired, listening to their story, how they'd weathered the pandemic with their content program, what they were looking forward to in the future. And that just livened up in me that sense of my muse, that person that I write for and create for every week. But, you know, I do think there's other things that you can do to get on those front lines. Like, you know, when I first took over marketing at Contently, even though I'd been our head of content strategy before, so I spent a lot of time with customers, I just spent a couple months doing a ton of, you know, what I call empathy interviews um, with our customers to not really be pushing any particular product line or agenda, but just listen to their challenges and take copious notes. Um, I love Chorus AI, uh, this new tool that we have, because it allows me to listen in on any sales or customer conversation that we have, and it's tagged by different keywords. So, if I want to hear what our customers are saying about content strategy, for instance, I can filter by that. Um, so, that's like a nice digital way to start to do it, to start just to hear our customers' voice a little bit more. So, you know, I think it's a mix. Like, one content can be a great way for you to get a better sense of that audience and to talk with them. But then there's also opportunities like being a part of different, you know, product interviews, doing empathy interviews and customer research of your own, sitting in on customer calls or sales calls either synchronously or asynchronously. All of that stuff is different input that can be really valuable and really help you figure out, okay, what does that feel for the audience that I'm going to have that's going to inspire me to create better stuff.
0: I, I love it. Uh, shout out chorus. Uh, Natalie, uh, their VP of marketing was one of the first uh, people on this show. I love what they're doing. Um, awesome product. So in just uh, the mindset of having these conversations, you mentioned like the pandemic and it was like, I need, I'm not going to conferences. I'm not traveling. So I'm going to speak to people, our customers speak to our market, people that you um, appreciate and try to take copious amounts of notes. Um, One of the things in the, the, your article that you referenced, and I got to shout out this quote because I'm in Indianapolis and Kurt Vonnegut's from Indianapolis, um, literally down the street, there's a big mural of him. Um, And I, I thought this quote was, it was funny and very Vonnegut in nature, but it says, please write for one person, open the window and make love to the world. So to speak And your story, will get pneumonia. Um, I think that's hilarious. And I think having one-to-one conversations Maybe get you in the mindset of writing one to one and not writing these generic bullshit messages that don't resonate. Maybe like when when you're having these individual conversations and taking notes, like how does that influence kind of the vonnegut way of producing content for you? Like how is that influencing your process?
1: Yeah, so I think once you do have a lot of these conversations. And you really get a sense of your audience, they start to naturally distill down to this one person that you have in your head when you're creating. Um, And I think that happens one of two ways. Either it is just one person, maybe a customer, it might be a prospect you met. That is almost the perfect middle or the perfect amalgamation of all of the people you're writing for. And so you hold that person in your head when you're creating, or just sort of all of those people, they solidify into that one person, sort of a fictional person you have in your head, which is the idea of what a persona should be, you know, is that fictional person you're creating for, but instead of it just being a list of bullet points you have read in a PowerPoint, it is something that you know and feel really deeply because you have gone through the mental process of internalizing who this person is, you know, what they truly like, dislike, what their challenges are, like who they are, what motivates them. Um, which I would argue you only really get a sense of by doing the work and having those conversations yourself, instead of just reading the document. Right? And I love that quote because I love Vonnegut. I read like every Vonnegut novel when I was in high school. I think I think I read like thirty in one summer when I was sixteen. Uh, but it's also just like a hilariously weird quote, you know. Um, but it, but it's something that brands do a lot. Like you try and please everyone, you please no one, you know, it's how so many brands end up writing these like 10 social media tips for small businesses, articles that have improved produced, produced 10,000 times before and are ostensibly for small businesses, but really are for no one because they're so generic in nature. Um, so, so yeah, that, that's sort of why I chose to highlight. I like that quote. That's good. Maybe we
0: can round it out with this. I, I, I think, you use the catchphrase that I say all the time um, and I love is just do the work. Like there's so much pontificating and everyone's just like theorizing and like sharing perspective and marketing is so obsessed with this. And it's like, at the end of the day, like just do the work, like get in the weeds, like learn, fail, fail, um you'll you'll find some nuggets in there, and those are the things that you can re- refine and 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 will make you better as a marketer and will help your organization. So, like I definitely, as you said that, like that struck a nerve for me. Um, so many marketers that I'm talking with, like have this mindset of like I'm the catalyst for change and co- with the role I'm in in content marketing, and I see things and I'm trying to progress, but they they're stuck. They're stuck within these, ancient infrastructures of these B2B marketing organizations where their VPs and their CMOs got to where they were today because of using the marketing playbook that was, you know, maybe fresh five to 10 years ago. Um, what, what advice do you have, I guess, for, for individuals and in content roles in organizations that are trying to push, push their businesses forward, but it kind of feels like pushing a, a boulder up a hill?
1: Yeah, it definitely is tough inside a lot of these large organizations. I've worked with a lot of them. Um, I think one thing that can be paralyzing a lot of times is how overly complex content strategy is made to be. Like you go to a serious decisions conference and they present their content strategy framework and it's like 36 boxes with arrows pointing in seven different directions. And it's, this is the six to nine month framework that you have to go through before you can start creating content. And honestly, that's BS. You just need to have that sense of your audience, understand what actions you want to inspire them to take. But then you should be getting out there and you should be creating content. Um, And you should be seeing what works, what doesn't, what resonates with people, and just keeping a really close eye on your key performance indicators. And then making smart adjustments accordingly. Like Just going through that almost scientific method <laughs> process of being like, okay, let's test our hypothesis, did this work? Okay, why didn't it work? Let's test something new the next time around. And that's how you build your, your content muscles. It's not gonna come, success isn't gonna be perfect off the bat. You're not gonna have the answer preordained off the bat, no matter you know, what data that you have at your disposal, it's always a best guess. Um, and I encourage people just to get out there and to start creating and start trying things and taking risks Sooner rather than later. And when you're inside some of these large organizations, it's about figuring out like, what is a proof of concept that I can spin up with the least resistance possible um, within my organization? So, okay, what is some budget that I have access to that I can go out there and I can create something and I can create it with a business goal that really matters to that VP of marketing who's running that old school playbook in mind? Um, And then I go out there, I run this program and say, do you see how well this performed, especially relative? To these other things we've been trying. I think we should double down on this and put more money into this experiment. Um, and that's often the easiest way to grow your program inside of you know these kind of more dinosaur-y orgs. And yeah, because if you spend so much time trying to safe-proof everything that you do to ensure that that first piece of content you create is just going to be the best performing piece of content of all time, the thing that your audience likes the most, it's probably not going to happen um, because it's a game of creating a lot of stuff, understanding what hits with your audience and just optimizing um, based on the response that they give you.
0: That's good. It sounds like to me, it's the the role of the content marketer in these organizations. You need to th- put on your internal marketing hat on a little bit and kind of educate your stakeholders on what's possible. Um, this has been really uh, fun. I learned a ton. I know our audience is definitely going to be taken, as you said, a copious amounts of notes and for this conversation. Before I let you go, what are you working on? What's happening at Contently? Is there? It is a marketing podcast. So you got to plug something.
1: Oh, man. What do I want to plug? Um, I'll actually plug in a new course that I'm working on, on a, a platform called Snow Academy. Uh, snow... Dot Academy. It's a a platform that was founded uh, by one of the co-founders of Contently, Shane Snow. I'm also my co-author with the Storytelling Edge. And we're launching an entire Storytelling Edge series um, on storytelling skills for business. So there's variations for sales, variation for marketers and content strategists, um, variation and learning pathways for leadership. Super cool, new platform, really involved courses. We spent a lot of time on um, that we're seeing great responses with. So uh, if you're interested in upping your content and storytelling game, uh, go check out Snow. Academy.
0: Our, our CEO, Jonathan's a Shane, Shane fanboy. So he might be signing up for this and uh, <laughs> he, he might take the course.
1: Uh, All right, awesome.
0: I love it. Thanks so much, Joe. Everyone go check out Joe's work. Check out Contently. A ton of insight. A lot more ground I know we can cover. We'll have to have you back on here soon. Thanks so much. Right, thanks, Ben. I've learned so much from Joe before the conversation, during the conversation, and after it. He's a smart dude. Go check out with him and the Contently team is up to. Hit that subscribe button if you're not already. Subscribe to the 3C Podcast. you check out thejuicehq.com. Enjoy the weekend. You earned it. Take care, and we'll be back next week with more 3C Podcast.